So a page per location is, is a very sensible place to start. And even depending upon the place that we're talking, so I mentioned Manhattan, so let's just take the state of New York. Let's say you want to rank for, I don't know, uh, SEO agency in New York. Breaking New York down into its constituent parts, Manhattan, Staten Island, New Jersey, wherever else you want to, so you could get even more granular than that. I presume Harlem, Bronx, Hell's Kitchen. Well, so, te- so- te- technically, New Jersey is its own state. Just oh, because. sorry. I apologize. Just to make you feel bad, but I know I can feel 55. <laughs> people listening now are like wait wait a minute wait hold on hold on hold on (laughs) here we go podcast time everybody mike tech studios Episode notes. This podcast episode that you're about to hear was originally recorded October 16th, 2018. It was among a dozen or so episodes lost during a computer failure at that time. This episode has been re-edited and remastered, but it may reflect situations or references that are off date-wise. As it's still one of many great episodes that should be heard, it has been re-edited from the original files for release for your entertainment, and because it's a damn good episode and a great guest. So sit back, welcome, and enjoy episode 24. Is SEO Dead? Discussions and Decisions with guest Deepak Shukla. Okay, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, and maybe certain dogs that are listening, thank you for tuning in to the next episode of the Mike Tech Studios podcast. Today, we're actually going to be checking out SEO. It's really a hot topic. Is it changing? Is it dead? We're going to have some discussions and decisions with a very good connection. And I almost want to say, dear friend of mine at this point, Deepak Shukla. Deepak, how's it going, man? Dude, I'm good. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah, no, just excited to talk to you about SEO in the hope that your audience aren't saying SEO, really? (laughs) Oh, I'm sure that they say that for a variety of things in business. That's just how it is. I think if everybody wanted to, they would just sleep in bed all day and that, but you have, uh, you have your body of work spanning. You have the Pearl agency that you do most of your work out of. You have your own podcast, your host of life, love and entrepreneurship. You have contents, talks, and experiences on TEDx, SEMrush, Huffington Post, Udemy. I mean, tell some some people who are not super familiar about your body of work, you know, who you are, where you come from, just a short elevator speech about your own own life. Absolutely. Uh, good question. So, hey, everybody. Uh, Deepak, you can hear by the accent, of course. I'm from uh, London, England. I um, yeah, I do run an SEO agency. That is um, what pays the bills and what we're talking about and is what I'm passionate about. Yeah, no, uh, we, uh, I guess rather I, um, I guess the most interesting thing to say is that I spent my 20s traveling kind of doing that digital nomad thing, but mainly using my time to actually do stuff like run marathons, ultra marathons, and do a lot of endurance stuff. And what supported me during that period was freelancing as a, as a marketer for a large part of it. So that was where the roots of Pearl Lemon started. I hit 30, I'm 32 now, had a mini breakdown. If you're thinking, what am I doing? I was in Amsterdam, probably the only person who wasn't smoking, but sat there and thought, right, time to go back home. That was two years ago. Two years ago, uh, August, um, I I moved back to my mom's place. I'm now no longer at my mom's place, but that's where the roots of Pearl Lemon started. And, you know, there's eight of us now. It's uh, it's going great. I definitely feel um, a lot more centered with where I am versus two years ago. 
I can definitely imagine that. That's a, well, a career transition, change, new lease on life, new direction in life. I mean, personally, does it make you feel better now that you've been able to turn that around successfully and just say, hey, listen, man, this is where I am. This is where I'm going and be able to sort of breathe that story into, you know, new opportunities, maybe people that are down and out or having a hard time in the marketing and SEO realms themselves. Definitely. I think so, Michael. I definitely came back and especially being perhaps I'm British Indian. So there's a lot of that kind of migrant mentality. So when I had come back and I was without an income, quote unquote, it really is a case of a little bit of being, you know, your back's against the wall and it was me figuring out how is it that I could use you know what you know I'd consider you know my skill set which was SEO but really in a way that you know would not only just rank a website or a collection of websites I could actually but that I could actually build a business and, and, and a living from. So it's it's definitely always um, good to meet people that, you know, aren't quite at that stage of their journey. And just to see if I can just talk to them about, you know, my experiences and kind of how I how I made that transition. So, so definitely breathing life into it has, has, has definitely happened. It feels that way. And I, I'm a very big believer on that. If you see somebody, I always say the same thing. If you're sitting there and you're watching a car accident happen and you just watched it, you're going to be at fault just as much as the people involved in the car accident itself if there was at any capacity for you to be able to stop it. You know, or, you know, you, we never know what's going on on the inside and on the other side of people's lives, personally, professionally, if we know them on LinkedIn, coworkers, even vendor partners, it's the same thing. So if you can just lend your credence of experience and knowledge, you know, in just five or 10 minutes sometimes having a conversation with somebody just to set them on the right path, it, it just means a world of difference, you know, and, and, and people definitely appreciate that. I completely agree, buddy. I mean, there's that real sense, as you completely underlined, you really, in those five minutes, um, when you, you know, you speak to someone, you think, wow, I can, you know, I can really help you because we want people around us to succeed. There's really that sense almost, you know, I call it cutting through the noise that a lot of people can jump around and produce a lot of activity, or maybe it's analysis paralysis and they don't know what the activity should be. And, you know, focusing on, on, on some singular aspects I find to be very helpful. So just in the car crash example, you know, if you can reach out and, and, and hold a hand out, then, then absolutely. So I'm completely on board with that. Glad you agree, man. Now I want to dig into really the first question that I think is something that people, people are asking all the time and maybe it's on their minds. What is really the biggest misunderstanding that people generally have about SEO and SEO practices? Great question. I'm going to list off a few that I encounter. A common question would be, oh, so Deepak SEO, that's like content, right? So we just put content on our site for a keyword and then we rank. A second thing might be that, oh, Deepak, okay, so we just need to build like 100 backlinks, right? We can buy them maybe from uh, an outsourcer and buy 100 backlinks. A third thing might be our Deepak SEO ranking on Google. You know, I do everything on Facebook. So what really is going to be the relevance of that? Or Deepak SEO sounds awfully complicated and it doesn't really sound like it's going to be worth the money relative to the time it takes. So these are probably amongst the typical questions or objections that come up when I talk to people. Gotcha. Now, what is really, what's really their biggest pain point that you would see with those questions? Like, okay, so that's their understanding of the SEO practice, right? Or, or yeah. Yeah. Their, their misunderstanding really. <laughs> but, 
Yeah. How does it, how does it steer? So we have this conversation. I mean, you know, are they really focused on trying to get to, you know, rank one page one on Google or where where, where do you steer that conversation from that misunderstanding to, okay, this is a dedicated and detailed plan for success for your SEO operation, be it your website, your content, what have you, like, how, how do you, how do you steer them into that? You know, okay, this is how we do this. Yeah. No, absolutely. So so let's talk to the, the there's two kind of camps that we're speaking to and we'll talk to the camp that doesn't perhaps understand or even think there's any value to SEO. And then there's a camp, of course, who are like, right, I'm on board with SEO Deepak. How can you demonstrate that you're going to be my guy? Or what should I look for in terms of finding that person? Or how do I do it myself? Some variation of that. So for for camp number one, who's like, you know, Deepak, I don't really get it. In those situations, I think the biggest thing I found that's really important is to demonstrate um, because you can easily demonstrate how SEO actually delivers a return on investment. A lot of people SEO, but that's not going to help me generate an income, Deepak. So what was important for me, certainly um, as we started out, and even a degree now, when when we talk to various kinds of small businesses, that they want to understand what is the path to revenue with SEO. That like, you know, Deepak, I know that I pick up the phone or I know if I message someone on LinkedIn or I know if I do some form of direct response, I get a response. But when you change a meta tag, as you call it, how's that going to help me kind of get a sale? So there is um, that, that conversation. And SEO is something that can really open up many new streams of opportunity for you, many, many new streams through the process of search. And and the simplest way to really demonstrate it is, I think I was Mark EDU. They've got some, um, and and I was just researching some statistics. We're looking at kind of the importance of SEO. And even I was surprised at this. I think that around 78% of people who search something via local search, so like Google Maps or something, they end up making an offline purchase, meaning that four in five people who run a local search for a local service end up typically going offline and making a purchase. So the, the, the easiest place to demonstrate that SEO carries massive value, and this doesn't apply to every business, but anyone who runs a local-based business, anyone who does anything locally, that's flower shop, that's you know hairdressers, that's personal trainers, that's real estate agencies even, that's anything on the high street, ultimately, there is a huge amount of value in bringing what I call new business, right? SEO is about new business, ultimately. It's about attracting new people who, you know, potentially when you go into a a new location, you just search cafes, you probably just end up looking on Google Maps. Certainly what I do when I visit a new city, I, I let kind of Google Maps navigate me. So that demonstration is typically um, the easiest way to, 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 to really reveal what the power, especially for a local based business is when it comes to SEO. Not only do I agree with that, I also think that the focus has been so much predominantly on mobile, on reviews and on searches of that nature, that it's almost taken the art and the aesthetic of SEO kind of out. Like it's it's almost mandatory to have that with any process. So I'll give you a great example. Yeah. I was speaking with a, this was a luxury real estate uh, firm okay. in central Florida. They had an, a, an opportunity for some marketing and some sales work. I said, okay, fine. They have the the highest payouts as far as for commissions that they have per site, per sale. Wow. They have a garbage or non-existent website. So I don't know how that works. Mm. So they're looking to move forward on this, right? Okay. Unfortunately, the individual that I spoke with, they thought that this could be done as a part-time gig while you're answering the phone in a sales office and while trying to set up a CRM type service as well 
all based on the content that you have here. And I always like to preface every conversation that, you know, hey, you basically get what you get out of it. So if you're, you know, if you're hiring people on Fiverr or off of Craigslist and they're just doing one aspect of your site or of your service, you're not going to get that quality. They're not invested in your product. And unfortunately, that was the case. They thought that it was just something you can just do on the side. SEO is something that you're doing eternally. And that's what I've, I mean, this goes as far as for social media trending for hashtags and things like that. That's that's a form of SEO. Yeah. Making sure that your reviews are existence, yeah. you know, and that your product is actually that's another form of SEO. There are different branches, but when people think of that, they think, oh, I'm just going to write an article with some keywords in it. So I'm gonna post it on the site. Yeah. That should be good enough. Or my website's gonna be, it's gonna have certain buzzwords that are gonna bring people in. And that is like a very fundamental, basic understanding of how the SEO process works. But I mean, you know as well as I have that mobile has really been the dominant focus and and just that example that you gave going on Google Maps letting Google tell me what's a good review, what's a good recommendation. Hey, I need something that's gluten-free. Have How many people have actually eaten here that are celiac or that have dietary restrictions? How did they fare? What was there? Yeah. And it's the, the, the minutia of the details are so much more important than just keyword spamming and alt tag and meta information. So it's it's bananas, man. Uh, 100%. I, I completely agree with that, Michael. And um, the, you made, I, I think you made an excellent point that, you know, SEO, SEO happens on every platform. We have one two clients as a result of our trust pilot rankings, which is really interesting. I never really considered that to be something that someone would specifically begin their search (laughs) out of. And one of the guys, you know, I asked him, now that didn't ultimately, yeah, Max, um, they were Chinese school London, I think at the time. And I asked him, I said to him, I was like, oh, you know, how'd you find us? He's like, oh, trust pilot. And I was like, huh, could you tell me a little bit more about that? And his experience and how he navigates the internet he was like, oh, well, you know what? We met two agencies that gave us kind of the, the horse and pony show. But then when it came to delivery, we ran into problems. So he said, I began my search on Trustpilot and I searched via rankings. And, you know, you guys came up because you've got, you know, 30, 40 reviews or whatever on Trustpilot, something that we'd worked hard to build really for helping, again, build reputational proof when people search Pearl Lemon on Google. But I did not, even I as an SEO person, did not consider that people within Trustpilot will search for companies themselves. It really just underlines across every platform that SEO is is intertwined with any level of kind of, you know, conversion or or driving ultimately new leads, new traffic, new business. It's just in the every fiber and aspect of the business being. And I don't think that that can be hammered home any clearer than the conversation you and I are having now. Just with the statistics that you mentioned before, we're talking three out of four people are converted into buyers of whatever the product, the service, the app yeah this is from hubspot in 2016 like it shocked me that that was the statistic even i was surprised because i wanted to bring some data and uh and it was like wow really it's incredible michael it is now this is something that i find that's uh really a hot topic as well what is really in your opinion more important positive reviews brand damage control so you know really focusing on the aspect of the responsibilities of a social media manager 
or just straight and true proper SEO? If you had to pick one or the other. Great question. I think reputation management is, I think, I think you need both. I think the reputation management is incredibly important for the conversion as I call it. So reputation management is how you can help traffic convert to a lead in my view to generate the initial traffic. I think the traditional SEO still is extremely important. I mean, to get into, for example, the Google three pack. So when you search, I don't know, yoga studio, man, Manhattan and, and you get, you know, the first five listings that come up, that is traditional SEO. Now you choosing which of those businesses that you're going to work with then comes down, I think, a lot to reputation management. And it's to a large degree, something as simple as, well, you know, Melanie's Yoga Studio has 59 4.4 star reviews. Frank's only has 37. Well, I'll go with, I'll, I'll go with Mel because she's got more reviews. So I think the, 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 the initial kind of acquisition of traffic is traditional SEO. But I do think think that you're missing a huge step when it comes to conversions. And this isn't only local search, by the way. I purposefully, of course, done stuff on Trustpilot. As an SEO agency, I think we've got 74 Google reviews, right? It's not traditional for an SEO agency to do that at all. But the reason that I've done that is my common sense tells me that we live in a kind of TripAdvisor, IMDB, Rotten Tomatoes, Google review world now, and that everybody who's anybody just checks reviews. And it's kind of the second thing that you look at once you find a company before you make a purchasing decision. So I think that both of them are important, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's just the ability of instant gratification culture and the technology and the accessibility of that information. I mean, obviously, prior to our conversation, you're able to look me up and see me on a variety of platforms and content and the podcast and Mike Tech Studio's website, you're able to get a good feel of what I'm about prior to even speaking to me. You kind of have an idea of what you're going to expect. I don't think that that is completely crazy to ask when you're dealing with a company or a business. I actually think that that should be a requirement. It's not a, I mean, and I know this is really a bad thing, but in our realm, a lot of people want to do a try before you buy. Yeah. We'll, we'll spec this, we'll see how it runs and then we'll go from there. I would like to know what my experience is going to be, but I also have to pay people for their time. I also have to be paid for my time. But if we're looking at the aspect of, like you said, if somebody has a thousand positive five-star reviews and they were all left on April 27th, somebody paid for that. That's not legitimate. And I would actually think negatively. I'm like, ooh, these people are doing so bad. They actually have to pay for positive reviews. I'm going to steer clear of that. Yeah. But then if I see somebody and they have 15 and they're local, I've never heard of them. I might give them a shot, especially if they have pretty positive reviews. But if somebody all has the same last name as the owners and operators that work there or coworkers, then eh, maybe not, you know, so there's, there's there's a little bit of play there that I'm willing to accept, but you know, not, not so much that, but you know, that actually leads me into another uh, really good question that I, I see so many times. So we have a lot of people that don't have brick and mortar locations where they do business but they operate and, you know, they may have a, obviously a mailing address and things like that to do business. But if all of their business is online, how does that affect SEO? Because you can't search in a location specifically. Let's say, for example, your your SEO services, that's an internationally available resource. Yeah. But organically speaking, it's nice to start within a community and grow up if you have a product or a service, if you're a, a home services company or a bakery or something like that. But Agreed. How, how do you approach it that way when you, when you have so much noise that you have to 
to fight through and it's much harder to filter down on. How how have you found success in, in your endeavors? Absolutely. I think it's an excellent question. I'd say that, um, you know, in absence, for example, of either having a local address or being a local business, you can still build pages per location. So a page per location is, is a very sensible place to start. And even depending upon the place that we're talking, so I mentioned Manhattan, so let's just take the state of New York. Let's say you want to rank for, I don't know, uh, SEO agency in New York. Breaking New York down into its constituent parts, Manhattan, Staten Island, New Jersey, wherever else you want to, so you could get even more granular than that. I presume Harlem, Bronx, Hell's Kitchen. Well, so, te- so- te- technically, New Jersey is its own state. Just oh, because- sorry, I apologize. <laughs> make you feel bad but i know i can feel 55 people listening now are like no wait wait a minute wait hold on hold on hold on <laughs> so yeah that just, excellent point i, I apologize <laughs> listeners it, it wasn't my intention uh, i was trying to be impressive at backfired there you go um okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah so you probably know where i'm going with this michael build local pages have maps on those local pages depending upon how far you want to spin the wheel there are lots of insurance companies are a good example of this there are insurance companies that will build local maps listings as well as local page listings, build interlinks between them, do everything as if they were a local business without actually having a local address so that they can rank for local searches. So that's like multi-location kind of SEO. It does get more complex. That wouldn't be part of someone's initial journey. But at the simplest level, I'd say, look, have a page per location, start there, have a map on that location, write stuff that relates to local landmarks or local places. And there's still lots of creative flexibility that does carry quite a positive SEO impact, I'd say, when you're trying to to rank in absence of actually having a physical location, assuming that you want to rank for a city nonetheless. I like that. And that is a very creative way of doing that. I have seen something similar like that done in the past. I work with a home services company local to me and uh, and, and they don't necessarily have, they have one location and they're looking to branch out into multiple locations in the future. I think the last time we we spoke on it, but this was several years ago and they did exactly that. They had different major cities that were in the area and they wanted to rank number one or close to it to be that product or service seeking wise. When individuals are searching out, they want to be coming up in all aspects. And it just makes it easier for your organic search, your PPC campaigns, everything, because you're already sort of there. And that extra boost, that extra juice that you're getting from all those, essentially creating your own interlinks and almost backlinks uh, in a sense, because you can link to those local landmarks. You can link to those local names, Wikipedia and things like that of that nature. And that gives your website presence, your content and things like that a little bit more of a boost. That's a that's a very cool tip to share with the listeners and also just to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, depending upon how far people want to extend it in talking about local landmarks, you can then try and do, you know, outreach to say, hey, you know, we mentioned your cafe as being close to our mechanics or our insurance building or whatever it may be. And, and see if you can get any level of link back or, or anything along those lines. And when you approach a local cafe owner who's been there for 10 years, if they put a link on their site for as, as far as local SEO goes, that's going to prove to be quite powerful. So there's, there's, it really depends upon how far that people want to kind of push the boat, so to speak, with, with, with doing this. If you can own a term such as, you know, mechanic Manhattan, that can generate business for you all by itself. So there's definitely a lot of scope depending upon whether you choose to go back to our original question or accept SEO as a legitimate driver of business for for your company. Definitely. 
Now, with the massive transition of a mobile infrastructure that really has become the priority, what have you really seen? How's the shift to focus more mobile priority changed how the SEO is deployed in present day content and the website optimization in your experience? I think that, you know, the, the interesting thing about news is that everything focuses on the cutting edge stuff, let's say. So, for example, you know, accelerated mobile pages. Now we've got mobile. Now we've got voice search. Now we've got maybe even AI SEO. The reality is though, much like, I don't know, education, the vast majority of business owners are catching up because they're too busy running their business, of course, because they're not in the business of SEO. I, I would say that um, there are still many, many fundamentals that business owners aren't getting to, which is fine because that's the reality, focusing upon what brings in money. So practically speaking, to come directly to your question, I find that there's still issues with page load, like your pay, your, 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 your business on mobile, this is especially a feature, for example, across, across complex SEO sites, because it becomes a very technical problem in that your page, your, you know, one of your main product pages seems to load very slowly on Android Chrome, that level of granularity. And, and that's actually quite a complex problem because people have different phones, they have different OSs and different kind of processing powers. And you need to try and optimize for where your traffic's coming from. And, and also, you know, the devices that people are using often is an important factor of a lot of the SEO sites that we'll work with because I'll go straight to kind of not just page speed insights, but look at Google Analytics or Google Search Console specifically to look at um, searches by device, searches by location, and then page load for those devices in those locations. And it's extremely revealing for what I call what's perceived to be a quick win, but rather a quick insight, but with a complicated win because nothing when you change something technically happens in isolation, just in the same way that you bring a new member of staff in and they've got great sales calls but they've got a stinking attitude because they want to play a zero-sum game they're like look you're killing it on the phone but there, there is nothing that happens in isolation so, so that's perhaps a practical example of some of the common issues that probably surprise people that, that you do encounter when you start just looking at what you consider to be the basics but to implement it becomes actually quite difficult I can understand that and, and especially with the ongoing fragmentation of devices I mean Steve Jobs used to gloat about how that was such a bad thing for Android. And it, I mean, it kind of is if you think about it, because you have to make sure that your app, your product, your service, your browsers, your content works on every single screen. But now, I mean, they've done that in the same Apple ecosystem as well. It's incredibly difficult to narrow down a specific device with a specific revision of OS, with a specific revision of an app on Chrome or Firefox. And it's just go, yeah, you know what, just use a different app. We're not, you know, it, like Edge. I don't think too many people optimize to use Microsoft Edge. It's built in. But I mean, the joke really goes, it's it's a Chrome downloader. That's all it is because as soon as people get it, that's what it is. Safari, I mean, it has its use, but I think the majority of people do use and prefer Chrome. No, absolutely. And and this level of uh, technical debt that these big companies, you know, inherit devices become multi-channel or OSs become multi-platform even or, or the other way around, I'm not really sure. But it becomes a real problem. So certainly from an SEO perspective, if you think about what we just described and then consider that at a software level, so we're talking, you know, CMSs, whether you're using Django, whether you're using PHP, whether you're using, whilst one mobile 
appears to be the same. Nothing is ever the same. Um, and, you know, page load is, is a common problem. Not optimizing, therefore, for mobile with the way that you might handle JavaScript, etc., is a problem. Not being mobile first is a problem. And this often also happens if you have a complex e-commerce website. It's complicated when you've got 53,000 products to optimize it for mobile. It's the same problem that Microsoft faced trying to support Windows 7, 8, 9, 10, XP, and everything else. Uh, it's it's at a much smaller scale, but a lot of these website owners that run successful businesses have that issue of, okay, let's optimize for mobile. And then you might find that, you know, to do that costs $50,000 actually, because it impacts absolutely everything else you do. So these things that people perceive to be big company problems also happen at, you know, the smaller business level. I had a boss that did that as as well didn't want to spend it for a local developer because you said they're expensive sure but the website was outsourced and really the integrals and the guts and all the goodies of the day-to-day operations that were being deployed on, a, on the AWS instance were really being worked on by a code shop group of people. Obviously you deal with one person, but uh, they're subcontracting it out and none of the stuff works the way that it's supposed to. Yep. And you're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars yep. wasting your time when all, you know, all you're doing is trying to convert English English into whatever the developer's language is, and then they're trying to re-explain it to whoever's taking the work. Nobody is doing quality work. And at the end of the day, you end up having to scrap most of it after $30,000 or so in and having to start over again, and you literally have nothing. So that's why it's just pick a point, pick the quality resources, make it happen, because otherwise you are going to pay for it in the long run. You get what you pay for again and again and again. You get what you pay for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more, Michael. Patchwork, well, patchwork anything works to that point that you maybe become Raymond profitable or you get to some level of sustainability. But, but, But after that, I definitely agree that if you, if you know, are you in it for the long haul? The obvious, you know, presumption, if you, especially if you're having an SEO conversation, it just is counterintuitive to use SEO as a growth hack. It's like, okay, let's fix some of these foundational things. Otherwise, it all becomes very fragmented and, and problematic. This is the nature of the game, I guess. <laughs> Unfortunately, so it is. Now, I always like to ask like interesting questions. What is like the coolest product or service that you've had the pleasure of like working with uh, that company to work on their SEO services or something of that nature in all of your years of experience and work? Um, so there's an app that we work with, they're cryptocurrency, and they um, basically have an app that will round up your change when you buy like a, a latte from Starbucks to the nearest dollar. So if you're paying like $6.53, they'll round it up to $7 and they'll invest the 53 cents or whatever into a managed cryptocurrency portfolio. All of your change ultimately goes into a fund that you can slowly build over time. That was very interesting. I thought that was a very cool way to, 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 to work with kind of the nickel and dime stuff that people have. It, it's always interesting to work with a company who's trying to go after a bigger competitor. So we've worked with like smaller businesses who are trying to topple incumbents. So an example would be like in the payday loan space or, or short-term loan space, which is a brilliant example of what I call massive spaces where SEO is so important. Anything that's a discrete service, people taking loans, people doing anything of that ilk, they don't necessarily want to tell or ask anybody or do anything on social. This is a space where SEO is huge. Same thing with manufacturing products. Anyone that does like automotive companies that resell parts is a fabulous example. When you get people that are Google for a specific part 
for their actual bike or for their car or anything of that ilk is quite a good one. Some of it was quite content driven, kind of in, in with blogs and stuff that particularly uh, streaming sites. We've done um, st- streaming sites are an interesting one, especially from an SEO perspective, because Google does not like streaming sites. Yet the streaming site wants to they run an AdSense revenue model and they want to target new people that are watching, obviously, any kind of sports streaming. What happens when, of course, when we go to a streaming site to say, you know, watch, watch, I don't know, Conor McGregor is going to be fighting, could be whatever it may be, like a football, a soccer game. You'll go onto a streaming site. If it's your first time going onto that streaming site or the first time on a streaming site, you'll then probably after install Adblocker to get rid of those annoying pop-ups. So the revenue model base, was based around AdSense. So there was a direct need continually for new traffic. But at the same time, Google will remove many of its pages because it's doing something that Google doesn't like. So that was really interesting to see how we could try and strike a balance between doing SEO, recognizing that Google is going to be hammering our efforts and trying to figure out workarounds. So that's uh, an example of some of the stuff that we've done that's been uh, out of the ordinary. I think that's definitely out of the ordinary. Well, you know, you're always trying to strike the balance between a white hat approach and a black hat approach, you know, avoiding. Yeah. It might not necessarily be considered hacking, but it's setting you up for the best possible way for success that you're not going to get penalized for. There's gray hat work or gray methods where it's a little, you know, just like morally gray. And then the black hat or black methods are not, it's, it's, Dark web stuff. You don't want to go there. (laughs) Exactly. um, Anyway, D, I appreciate you being on. You can find D on LinkedIn. You can listen to his podcast as well. Everything. Check out his uh, links on his website, deepakshokla.com. Again, awesome having you on. And and thanks again for stopping by, man. Oh, Michael, I loved it. And thank you to the audience. It was a pleasure. The Mike Tech Studios podcast, your source for design, entertainment, marketing conversations, and content. Amazing guests, tips, humor, and stories available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and your podcast app of choice. This has been a Mike Tech Studios production.